Strains of read of Di- read or die means that it's twelve o'clock. You're listening to Fab Radio International, or you're probably on iTunes. You must be listening to the Bookworm on FabRadioInternational.com in association with Starburst Magazine. Woo-hoo. So, hello, I'm your host Ed Fortune, and I'm here with your host Nymphai, and we're here to talk about books. If you don't want to listen about books, you're listening to the wrong show. But <laughs> why wouldn't you want to listen about no, books? No, no, you're listening to the right show because why wouldn't you want to be listening about books? Exactly. You know, so, stay. Uh, coming up on the show, I'm talking about Heirs of the Demon King. Wow. And I'm talking about the school for good and evil. I think I went there. <laughs> didn't we all, dear? Didn't we all? Oh, we're also talking about avant-garde and surrealist author uh, Neil Down. Um, and you, just to remind you, uh, you can find us on social media. Oh, we love our social media. We are Radio Bookworm on Twitter. We are Radio Bookworm on Facebook, forward slash Radio Bookworm. And we are Radio Bookworm on Tumblr. We can also find us on Mixcloud and on iTunes. Uh, you can also find the radio station's social media shenanigans on fabradiointernational.com. Have I said fabradiointernational.com enough in this intro? No, you haven't said fabradiointernational.com. Have, have I mentioned Starburst magazine? No, you haven't mentioned the, Star- uh, the, the Starburst magazine. The Starburst magazine. Uh, shall we get on with the show? We should. So, so coming up next, the news. are playing the strangest musical instrument in the world. The only instrument that is not touched by hand. You ask for it. So then, book news. Um, uh, first, first bit of book news. Amazon and Hatchet are still fighting. <laughs> Um, There's an Amazon and someone with a hatchet having a go at each other. It's, it's Amazons, and then in my head, it's Amazons, like proper Amazons. And, and then, you know, but Wonder Woman style ones. the best ones. thing ever. Wonder Woman style that, That's exactly what's happening. It's not Amazon and hatchet as in publishing houses. There are Amazons fighting people with hatchets. It's amazing. But but comic book ones, so they've got like the technology and the laser guns, <laughs> and then it's just like hairy blokes. We can rebuild you. We have the technology. It's just hairy blokes with like big big axes, and they're, they're having having no. So it's, awesome. it's it's all terribly serious, and it's all terribly sad. And I wish they would just stop trying to, you know, stop people from reading books and stop trying to steal every single last cent and just get on with it and behave like proper people um, Amazon are going to get done by Monopoly's commission at some point something's going to happen along those lines eventually yes but by, at that point they'll have a Monopoly well, well yes um, so it, moving on let, let, let's talk about actually cheerful stuff LeVar Burton hmm? Jodie LaForge hmm? from that Star Trek TV show uh, he does another TV show does it? He does. It's called Reading Rainbow, and it's on PBS. So, um, this is we are we are pretty much a British show, we're pretty much a Eurocentric show. Um, yeah, 
Reading Rainbow is an American, an American TV show that's all about reading books and the joy of reading books. And it's about teaching kids to read, sort of thing, or getting kids into books. Uh, over the years, it's won something like 26 Emmys, and it was cancelled. Uh, well, it ran out of funding. Um, uh, until, let's see, it was produced by a media firm until 2000 ran out of money, stopped being a thing, went on to went on to kind of app development, became an app, and then LeVar Burton popped up onto the internet and went, Kickstart Reading Rainbow, please do an online thing where, you know, we'll do we'll we'll have celebrities reading books, we'll have a whole thing where everyone's talking about books. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll teach kids books and if you've got access to the internet you can just Go on, and it's essentially Khan Academy. If you're familiar with the idea of Khan Academy for books, woohoo! So that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, he wrote, he raised a million dollars in a matter of days. It's still got for the quick start. Because you know what, people, you love to read. You do. Well, it's also. I mean, it's a case of you know, Lavov Burton didn't go. Did didn't sit there with you know a gun to a child's head, going, "Your child will grow up ignorant if you don't give me money." But it's pretty much. I mean, you, you we lo- should do that. <laughs> Your child will grow. You will grow ignorant. We'll all grow ignorant with our books. Give but, us money so you can. have but he didn't do that it's very gentle it's very lovely yeah. but the, the principle behind it you sit there and you just go oh my goodness you know this is not being funded it's not being funded by because PBS is a, is a federally funded thing which is also yeah. um, funded by um, by donations it's partially 50% public donations 50% is is, is, fe- is federal funds mm-hmm. and, what the, and this is an American thing um, there's a whole nonsense about you know Mitt Romney not liking Big Bird and this sort of stuff but anyway. But anyway. <laughs> so, Jodie LaForge, Jodie done done well there, um, has 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 got his million dollars. He's now going for five million dollars. But the interesting thing is, when we were doing prep for this show, uh, oh my word, um, <laughs> we were watching the uh, the Kickstarter video this morning at about half ten, eleven o'clock, and as we were watching it, money was going on to the funding. America's five hours behind us. Nobody in America is up giving money to Kickstarter at half five in the morning. Yeah. So that's money that's coming from other parts of the world. You know? And it was ticking away as well. Yeah, it, it, was wasn't, ticking, yeah. it wasn't just like, you know, five dollars. <laughs> it was ticking away, like it, like almost like a counter. It slowly but surely just accumulated. Well, it plans. just shows you, you know, the world wants to be educated. Good job, world! It's, it's an interesting thing, because there's stuff like uh, Khan Academy and, and of, of a online YouTube based reading uh, reading schools uh, the Green Brothers which we talk about quite a bit on this show mm. um, are responsible for do- they, they, they do like a, a kind of a, almost an A-level level literacy thing where you can go on and if you don't understand if you don't know understand how to do critical assessment of books and, and critically understand books go on to YouTube check out the, the Green Brothers and they do a and they do a course, a crash a course. Step by step it, it, crash It's course. literally called crash, co- crash course, and he'll sit and he'll take you through uh, Romeo and Juliet. Hmm? It's something you should have learned at GCSE, but if you didn't, then and, then off you and they also do other subjects as well. So they they've expanded into like American history um, and a bit of politics and econ- uh, economics. How I think. How cool is that? Yeah. Well, uh, there's the whole thing with, again. I keep mentioning the Khan Academy, which started off as a, a guy sending YouTube videos to. Um, one of his relatives to teach the maths and it's literally spread into this whole thing yeah. and the reading of Rainbow is yet another expression 
of that sort of coolness. So well done, world. Well done. Well done, Geordie LaForge. Um, <laughs> you do know Star that's Trek. not his name. No, it's Lavar Burton. That's his name. Um, <laughs> but you'll always be Geordie Lavar. But you'll always be, always be Geordie. Well, well, he plays on it completely. One of the one of the, the the things you can get is you can get to you know wear his little tricorder face oh, thing. So uh, cool. Sorry, was that a genuine perk? That's a genuine perk. Wow. <laughs> I like that. You, you should be, have more of that. You get to be a massive, massive fanboy. Um, other book news: Gemmel Awards. Oh yes. Uh, nominations have closed for the Gemmel Awards. You've missed it. We did mention it last week, um, but no, nominations. Did have... we get a mention? Why did we not get a mention? Uh, Hello. No, 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 because we, we are award-seeking. Award-seeking <laughs> radio we're, we're show. We've not yet reached award-nominated. We, we don't qualify for a Gemmel. <laughs> we should. So, so we're, we're we podcast. should. <laughs> this is anarchy. It's completely anarchy. Uh, no, we, 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 honestly, honestly, uh, uh, seriously, we don't we don't qualify. We have we've not written a fantasy novel, nor have we done, drawn a cover for a fantasy novel. I started we, one. Uh, yes, um, yeah, never started one. I started it, one. There you go. Well, has, hasn't, hasn't friend of the show R. A. Smith written a fantasy novel? Isn't that's that close a, enough for us? That's a good point. He's not been nominated there. So, <gasps> uh, actually, friend of the show Adrian Tchaikovsky has. Yay! Um, so uh, the, the ones you have missed um, uh, The Daylight War uh, by Peter V. Brett uh, Memory of Light by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson there's a thing about the, the Wheel of Time we'll get to that in a moment uh, Emperor Forms, Forms by Mark Lawrence which I really like they've they've um, they've been plugging the heck out of Emperor Forms recently um, The Republic of Thieves by Scott Lynch we love oh, a bit yeah. of Scott Lynch yeah um and um, War Master's Gate by this Adrian Tchaikovsky book. Adrian! Adrian. Um, oh, now, we're okay. not biased. I, I, now, I now have <laughs> Can this, you guess this, who I voted this, for? this really vivid <laughs> image of, of Adrian asked Rocky. Adrian! Adrian! Don't, don't do that to me. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry. Uh, well, he's been nominated, so hopefully he'll win. Fingers crossed. The, the debut uh, nominees were... Um, Garden of Stones, Headtaker, Promise of Blood, Path of Anger, Grim and Grim Company. Uh, Headtaker is the one that I've been uh, very keen on winning because it's okay, it's a Black Library book, but it's Dave Geiman. And Dave Geiman is really, really good. Hmm. Um, and you know, it's got a giant rat hit, hitting things. How can that not be cool? <laughs> and the Riven Heart, Heart Award is for book covers. Um, a Republic of Thieves cover, the Reforms cover, the Scarsnick cover. Um, the Promise of Blood cover and She Who Waits cover. I like the Scarsnet cover because it's got a got a goblin being sneaky on the front. But I think really Fawns deserves to win just because it's quite iconic and looks quite good. But let's be honest, probably Scott Lynch will win two categories for cover and uh, and, and legend novel. Um, the thing about the legend is it's an it's an axe. They're all these are these are all weapons, and they're not like kind of little little trophy things they're actual you know if you drop them on your foot you'll lose bits mm. they're kind of scary the gamels um, talking of awards because we are in award season um, I have no idea if we're overrunning on news at the moment but talking of awards there has been a little bit of a, a fuss a bit of a furor when it comes to the Hugos I surprise you okay. um, if you are attending Worldcon this year and the reason we go on, we're going on about Worldcon this year is partially because it's in the United Kingdom this year, so we, we care just a little bit more. Um, if you're attending, so you've bought a ticket, you get all the stuff that's been nominated for Hugo. 
you get all the you get electronic versions of the books and podcasts Ooh. available in a package you can, so you can vote so if you haven't read a particular book or a particular sto- short story it doesn't count for it doesn't count for TV media but all the rest of it all the short films and all those various bits and pieces um, you can uh, pretty much you can download. They they give you a password. I I did did mine last night. I sat down and I went hee <laughs> stuff. Um but that includes the entire wheel of time. Jesus. Yeah, the entire wheel of time series because it's been nominated. Wow. So the wheel, Oh yeah, it, it, as a whole, didn't as a whole it? thing. Yeah. Um just as an aside, and it's going to be about a decade before this comes up for nomination. But nobody nominate a single Horace Heresy book. Let's wait until the Horace Heresy series is finished. <laughs> And then let's try and nominate it for Hugo, because partially because it'd be interesting to see who it would win, partially because there's some fantastic books in that series. I mean, there's, there's some not so fantastic books in that series as well, to be honest. But it's a fifty to sixty book series <laughs> with with comic books and audio dramas. That would be brilliant if it won best novel. That would be fantastic, and and even better, <laughs> they'd have to give it away at the end. <laughs> Anyways, is there a book review coming? <laughs> there is. Um, I'm going to review Heirs of the Demon King very shortly. So coming up next, I talk nonsense about books. Across the world, 24 hours a day. So, just come out this week is Heirs of the Demon King Uprising by Sarah Cogwell on uh, Abaddon Books. Now, Abaddon Books, for those of you who don't know who they are, they're the same people who are responsible for 2018. They're rebellion of their, 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 their grandfather house, and Abaddon do these kind of themed, ongoing series. Mm. So, Heirs of the Demon King is a, a new set. New okay. series. This is the first one in the, the series, uh, written by again friend of the show Sarah Cockwell. Uh, we love like Sarah Cockwell. We we do. We've interviewed her before. She was lovely. And this is the book she can talk about. If you remember, if you cast yes. your mind way back when, <laughs> she was like, I can't. Talk or about you know, that. if you go back and listen on Mixcloud. Yeah, if you go back and listen to Mix, Mixcloud, and uh, yes. Anyway, so as the Dean King, exciting name. Um, the backstory is Richard the Lionheart. Mm. You know, the Richard of the the Lionheart goes to the Holy Land, beats some you know beats up some foreigners, comes back, brings magic to Europe, has has discovered the secrets of magic, mm. and, and most of this magic is kind of you know relatively fluffy elemental stuff. Okay. Yeah, you know it's it's earth, air, fire, water. I, there isn't any heart, but you know earth, air, fire, water, and that sort of thing. Um, and it's 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 really cool. And at the start, which is Lionheart's like, yeah, I, I don't trust everyone to have this to, to have magic. So we'll give it the nobility, and we'll trust nobility. <laughs> well done, Richard. <laughs> well done, Richard. Um, so he trusts the nobility, and it kind of it does eventually spread, and it does get to uh, become common. The peasants. 
and and by doing that and kind of by you know because there's various people who have natural talent for magic and once they're shown how to use their natural talents they, they use it to you know to, to farm the land to make the, the weather weather work toward to their will but you know how can it possibly go wrong with a lot of people asking for different things at the same time well it's sort of you know it, at the start it's fine mm. everything is fine everything is awesome everything's fine and there is <laughs> is that the quiet before the tempest oh very much so this is this is the like the, the opening chapter <laughs> um there's very much a golden age going on and it kind of because it gets spread through it gets spread through major nobility and then it goes into minor nobility and then you know certain nobles can't be bothered with we're doing it themselves so they get other people to do it and it spreads across to Germany it spreads across to France and it spreads across you know nobility mm-hmm. and then it gets into the hands of you know it's sort of carefully regulated and there's sort of an inquisition going on and it's very 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 gently put to you know sorted out then we get to the Battle of Bosworth uh, Field with the, the the Tudors and the Plantagenets mm-hmm. now if you know your history uh, the Spoilers: The Tudors win. Uh, <laughs> however, in this book, and this is where it doesn't diverge from history of magic. Oh no, no, no! It diverges from history by the fact that the Tudors lose, and the Tudors lose because Richard the Third, he of the humpback, um, makes a deal, makes a very dark deal with the darker forces of magic. So the Battle of Bosworth is lost. The the um, Tudor, Henry Tudor's wizards that explode when they try and cast spells. Oh dear! Because Richard the Third has made a dark deal with the darker forces of magic. Oh dear! Oh dear me! Mm. So it's it's gone. It's gone. It's, it's start, things start to go seriously wrong at this point. So move forward. We're, we're now heading. We've gone. We've, we've moved forward a few Richards. <laughs> a few Richards later. Uh, and this is where pretty much the book properly starts. We've got a fair chunk of backstory so far. Yeah. And what we have now is we have a, a modern, not not it's not modern day, but we have a a, a England which is totally magic free. Because the you know after the Battle of Bosworth, the, the the official royal line is magic is bad. That's why those wizards exploded. Hmm. You know the, the 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 magi had a terrible time. Magic is clearly evil. Yes. It makes men weak. So, so we must get rid of the rest of Europe is cheerfully having you know magical plows and you know <laughs> having a great time of it. But meanwhile, in England, people are being murdered left, right, and centre. They've they've built up Hadrian's Wall even even bigger, yeah. So, so, so they can keep out those those annoying Scots. And they are inquisitors running round the land. Just being evil, and they are just evil. They just turn up and go, "You're using magic to help heal people. That's wrong, bonk." <laughs> um, okay. And the Inquisitor is called Charles Weaver. Yes. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you're a history buff, you're like, "Ooh, that's clever." Yes, well, that is clever. Um, so there is there is the Inquisitor Charles Weaver, and Britain is in the process of building ironclads. It's got, you know, it's got cannon, it's got alchemy, it's got really, you know. For for the period of time that we we've got here, I was heading towards hundred years or sort of time. Um, really, really good tech, but no magic, no. because inquisitors are going around the land, going, "You're using magic, bonk." Skapush. Yeah, thing is, <laughs> thing is, that's the, that's not the real reason why they're getting rid of magic. They're getting rid of magic because um, royalty have made a deal with darker forces again. 
Um, well, no, from the oh, start. Oh, from the start. Airs off. See, right. it's all, it's so all from the Battle of Bosworth, this deal entails... This deal entails the fact that their line, entire line is corrupt. And mm. without magic in the land, oh no, you know, uh, there's nothing to oppose the dark forces that are of about, to, about to, to spill forth. Um, so meanwhile, in Wales, <laughs> a, a small community who have been hiding from the Inquisition of people with magical talents... Have been getting on with getting. Vive la resistance! Been getting on with getting good at magic, um, and the Inquisitors turn up, and these two young people, uh, Mafius and Tegan, um, one one is a flame-headed girl with magic power, with, with fire powers, and another guy is a chap with a with essentially a James Harriet magical ability to understand animals and talk to the animals. He's very Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle. Um, and they are sent away by by their their friend and 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 father figure to Europe to get the most powerful mages magi they can to oppose the darkness the, rising the darkness, da- darkness that is rising meanwhile in France the the war between England and France has started and the weaver is riding around on his horse beating up magi um it's very it's it's a thrilling adventure adventure action adventure novel it's really easy to read I found it Fun and yeah. fast. It sounds and amazing. Fairly and fun. furious. Um, I was reminded. This sounds terrible. It reminded of kind of cheesy eighties magic adventure movies, uh, mm. specifically Warlock Two, which is a terrible movie, but it's a lot of fun because it's got these two young wizards running around trying to stop the evil wizard. Um, and it's got that kind of you know, it's got that kind of you know, two young people kind of all smunky and full of full of thunder and fire, <laughs> um, literally. Full of fire, um, <laughs> literally full of fire, trying to stop the end of the world. It's just, I, I, I just liked it. I mean, okay, there's the entire subplot of Richard V and his son and the whole, the whole demon right thing. It kind of, it should be the main story, but we don't really care because we care about Mafia and Tegan. It um, sounds so cool. It sounds like something I've really loved reading. Um, young adult, adult, both. Um, young adult will have no problems with it. There's nothing too naughty in it. Awesome. Um, it's not pitched at young adult. It's pitched at everyone. Okay. Um, so you know, it's mild peril. I think it's the short version. Okay. It's, mild, mild peril is in there. There's, you know, there's, there's. It's called. It's got demon on the front cover. There's going to be demons. Uh, apart from that, it's it's quite fun I, I enjoyed it an awful lot uh, Sarah Cockwell is very good at writing that kind of engage she's really good at being care about the minor characters I like that I, I like that sometimes I find that the minor characters are the ones that make the story because it gives it a, a, a level of you know in real life you don't really have just just your main character you have a host of characters and when you're reading a book you want that you want to feel like you're in a real world where everyone makes a difference she's one of those writers where there are no subplots if you say I mean there's yeah. just lots and lots of plots going on but there's no plot that's minor yeah it all weaves into it's one all, thing yeah it's all like a big puzzle with, with little pieces that come together but but I loved it and I was I was clinging on towards the end I was very pleased with the end and I get the feeling there will be more from this series. Oh, I'm sounds awesome. Forward to so, remind us, what's the book? It's called Heirs of the Demon King Uprising. It is available on Abaddon Books, uh, and it is by Sarah Cockwell. And Yay. it should be in your shops now. Uh, uh, your, your, your local peddler of literature should be able to sort that out for you. Smuggle you a book. 
So I think very shortly we're going to have uh, some quick adverts, some quick messages, and, and then an um, interview. Then an interview. With Fab Radio. For seven years, The Ripman Show has been playing and supporting new, unsigned, and emerging music. You can now listen to the show here and exclusive to Fab Radio International every Monday, 7 till 9. Across the world, 24 hours a day. So I was very lucky enough to catch a uh, writer of interesting fiction. Uh, his Vivillant Blurb, I got that right? The Vivillant Blurb series uh, is written by a chap called Neil Down. And if you think, oh, that's an unusual name, we do talk about that in the interview. Um, and his books are interesting, especially if you're a fan of the works of Jeff Noon and that sort of oddness, uh, which I am a massive fan of that sort of thing, so we caught up with this local small press author, who may well be the next Jeff Noon, slash the next Hugh Howie, so um, or maybe not, we'll see Um, uh, it was a really nice chat regardless, so um, coming up now a chat with Neil Down This is Fab Radio International Welcome to the bookworm Neil Down Hello there, it's good to meet you um, so, uh, before we start, um, I'm assuming that Neil Down is a pseudonym. Uh, it, it is, in fact, now my real name. <laughs> it was a pseudonym. It was a, a gentle poke at all my childhood friends who basically called me that from about the age of four onwards. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about your latest book, please? Uh, the latest book is The Jackpot Killer. It's uh, a kind of cyberpunk detective novel set in a broken universe. Uh, there's a serial killer on the loose and one of my most popular characters, Kurt Lobo, who is a, a wolf splice detective, has got to track him down before the serial killer takes things a little too personal. So when you say wolf splice detective, do you mean half man, half wolf? Or? Yeah, in my universe, uh, there's the ability to splice with any animal, genetic material uh, and even droids. Okay, and can you, um, your books are written in a slightly unique format. Can you tell us more about those, please? Yeah, the whole virulent blurb project began on Twitter as an exercise in telling and creating it like a whole universe via just a tweet, and it rapidly snowballed from there. This is our fourth book now, and there are plenty more plans for the future. How does the, interactive, how does the interactivity of Twitter affect the creative process? I find it very, very refreshing because it's almost as if it's like a soap opera. You're delivering like little mini episodes every day or week and you can get instant feedback on it, find out what works, what doesn't, where people want to see it going. Yeah, no, I find it incredibly refreshing and I like the constraint of the character limit. It gives you the chance to cut out all the things that don't need to be there. You have to deliver sharp, image-filled little mini paragraphs, if you will. You know, there's no filler, there's no Stephen King describing picket fence in 40 paragraphs. You can basically just say, there it is, you've got a brain, you can see it yourself. How does the presence of 
people reading it 140 characters at a tra- time affect your creative process? Uh, like I said, it, it's the it's the feedback to find out what went well, where people, you know, you go by retweets or direct messages, so you know what it is that suddenly hit a chord with people. Uh, you know what characters they like or little wordplay you've used. Yeah, I it's good. I like it to be uh, a morphing process, if you know what I mean. The books can go anywhere. I set out with one clear objective, but I, I wait for the characters and uh, my audience to give me the gentle nudges where they think it should be going. Your work's available in complete format via self-publishing, um, format the lulu.com. Why did you go with the self-publishing angle and what do you think the future is for self-publishing? I think self-publishing can only to be truthful. Uh, there is obviously a lot of rubbish out, but it's down to you as the reader to, to look and decide what it is you want to support and you want to read. I originally went with self-publishing because I'm considered slightly avant-garde, uh, a little bit untouchable, and I have had offers after the third book to go the more traditional route. But I think I could cope with the, you know, the six to nine months sitting around waiting for the book to actually appear. This way, once it's finished and edited, you know, it can be out there for people within like a matter of weeks. Do you think the traditional role of publishers as gatekeepers to a level of quality is over, or do you think it's, you know, do you think the process has become more democratic, or you know, what do you think has changed? Uh, you say gatekeepers. Uh, I have a bit of a problem with the whole... I have a problem with traditional anything. I mean, I'm not quite sure you can put some something's worth in the hands of a couple people who get paid quite a lot to sit around and nursemaid us all, if you know what I mean. You see, I get slightly annoyed about the attitude towards self-published authors because the arts field and in the music field, it's actively encouraged, you know what I mean? It, Anybody now can create music. They can create films even, and these can go on to like big things, but still sniff at the self-published author when we forget that lots of the greats were originally self-published. Who would you say are your personal inspirations when it comes to writing? Uh, well, I must I must bow towards the wisdom and talent of Mr. Jeff Noon, who I was very lucky to get in contact with a couple of years ago, and he's been incredibly supportive of me and my work. Going back, uh, the Illuminatus trilogy had a profound effect on me on what it did with language and structure, re-time and space. I've got a soft spot for Michael Moorcock. I love the whole multiverse idea of everything being echoed again and again. Uh, Who else? Philip K. Dick, Borges, Kafka. I'm afraid I don't read very many modern, traditionally published authors. I spend most of my time reading fellow... Twitter writers and self-published people and just there I must give a huge shout out to James Knight who you can find on Twitter as the Bad Bad Poet who writes incredibly heat surrealist mini poems prose uh, poem pieces they're wonderful Talking of uh, Twitter and language because you touched on um, Robert Anton Bolton's work as well just briefly there um, how does the 140 character format adjust language and how does the, that cha- shift in language change your work? Uh, like I said, you have to condense everything and if need be you have to make up new words. Uh, it's, it's hard, you see my work is somewhere between traditional prose, poetry and a huge dollop of song lyrics. I like to think of my work being more musical really than 
what you traditionally call you know, prose. No, Twitter is wonderful. Uh, most of my work is done via my smartphone or my tablet if I'm in an area that actually has Wi-Fi. I very rarely sit at a PC and bash out huge long pieces. I like the little nuggets, the little explosions of image and sound sometimes. That, nah, I find that very, very exhilarating, very refreshing and releasing. How hard is it then during the editing process for you to kill your darlings? Uh, you see, I just pass all the stuff off to two incredible people, Stephen Taylor Bryant and Susan Oman, who are basically partners in the whole Blurb universe. And I judge their, I trust their judgment. I just let them get on with it. I'll see the finished PDF. And generally, I agree with how they've structured it. A, a large part of my book is down to the formatting, the, uh, the spacing, the gap between, you know, the words. If you were trying to pitch the Blurb universe to a new reader, and let's say a more traditional type of reader, how would you do so? What is your pitch? Um, I would say if you're interested in a strangely poetic yet dark universe where the sun never shines and the sky is full of falling dust and the neighbours next door have waged a war, war upon us, just pop along. You can always read my work first online via my Twitter account or the website. In fact, Detective Lobo has his own Twitter feed where 70% of the new book was originally put up there for free. So I would just say pop along, try it for free. If you like it, great. Welcome to the Blurverse. What would be your dream project? If you were invited to work on a, a new project for someone else, what would be the thing that would lure you to do that? Uh, there's one, one huge one. Uh, writer to Doctor Who would be a dream come true. And I just love the concert. They have created one of the most enduring heroes ever. Anything can happen in that program. There are no rules. And then um, just, just um, some silly questions to finish off. Firstly, if you were stranded on a desert island and you only had one book for company, what would that book be? Uh, I can't give you a direct answer, but it would either be Pixel Juice by Jeff Noon or the Illuminati trilogy. Um, and S Simpsons or Futurama? Oh, early Simpsons, probably. Feathers or swords? <laughs> Who's to say they're not the same thing? And finally, truth or beauty? Truth, always, always truth. Sometimes it can be beautiful. Uh, Neil Down, thank you very much for coming on The Bookworm. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Ed. It was a blast. Embrace the alternative. This, this is Fabrician International. Oh, that was Ed's interview with uh, Neil Down. Uh, lovely chap. Uh, very interesting work. Absolutely. Really, really interesting interview. And I did, I did like his, yay, I want to write for Doctor Who. Who doesn't? See, the thing is, he's a, he's a Michael Moorcock-inspired, Jeff Noon-inspired author. Uh -huh. And Michael Moorcock's Doctor Who book was a bit... But I would love to see a Jeff Noon style, you know, that, that style, that kind of avant-garde deconstructed writing sci-fi writing especially it works very well for sci-fi mm. I would love to see that um, you know get it written by someone like that get it directed by Darren Ar Ar Aronofsky <laughs> I would be in hog heaven I'd be the only person but <laughs> everyone else would be like what on earth is this why, why is it five minutes and there'll be a squealing out going Ee! why is it five minutes minutes of the TARDIS flashing what on earth but, you know. but yeah he was really lovely that interesting interview 
So um, you, you have a book? I have a book, and it's not the book I'd originally chosen. That's a surprise. I, I woke <laughs> up this morning, and the sun was shining, and the birds were singing, and I had massive coffee. And I looked over at my bookshelf and thought, I really want to review The School for Good and Evil by Soman Chainani. So, so what's it about? What's it about? Okay. It's a fairy tale. A dark, fun, weird, different twist on fairy tales. Oh, we like a good fairy tale on the show. Awesome. Story. Um <laughs> I really love that the first line in, in, in the book is Sophie had waited all her life to be kidnapped. Ah. And it's not what you think. Every four years, um in the um little village where Sophie lives, um two kids are kidnapped away by the schoolmaster. So it's the little um little village of Gavaldon and um, Sophie's dreamt all her life um, to be kidnapped and go to the um, the school for good and evil because Sophie wants to be a princess Ooh, okay. and, and that's everything she does every day is aimed towards preparing to her life as a fairy tale princess because that's what's happened the kids get taken away to the school and they become fairy tales okay um so the night when the master approaches is 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 nigh um it's coming and and sophie has a beauty routine to go through you know her her beauty masks and her nails and her hair and her dresses and making sure that you know none of the other awful girls in the village get taken away because this is sophie's year and it's 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 every kid that's over the twelfth year uh, has a chance of being stolen away. And Sophie has a best friend or a friend uh, called Agatha. Uh, and and you know Agatha doesn't care. She doesn't want to be taken away. She just wants to blend with the background and keep being Sophie's best friend because Sophie's the only thing she has in life. Um, and she lives in this very dark and, and, and sort of dusty home um, with her mother and she's, she's very neglected and not, not very pretty and, and, and um, loves books and has her nose in books every day and she gets taunted because she looks a bit like a witch. Okay. So what happens? The master comes and Sophie swoops away with the master happy that she's approaching her new life where she'll finally become a princess and left leave behind all the dreadful boring things in her village including her carpenter dad um, and uh, and Agatha tries to stop it because she doesn't want her best friend to be taken away she's all she's got so so she, she hangs on for dear life to, to this thing that comes swooping down and and they both get taken away. Hooray! But things don't go exactly as lovely Sophie had planned when she gets dropped in the wrong side of the school. Ooh. Where, whereas she is doomed to start school in the evil tower and not in the good tower, which means Sophie won't get to be a princess. She'll get to be a witch. Sorry, that's a bad thing? Well, for Sophie, who's trained all her life to be a princess, who spends days 
and nights making new facial creams to have the softest complexion who who curls her hair and, and styles it pretty who loves shoes and pink dresses this is the worst thing that could ever happen because <laughs> guess what Agatha gets dropped to be a princess in the good side of the school and again poor Agatha who dreams of books and spells and magic that's the worst thing that can happen this sounds awesome it is a lot of fun so basically the story is why the heck have I been dropped in the wrong side of the school help me get back to the right side where I belong because I want to be a princess and I says Agatha want to be a witch so the girls start contriving all of the worst things that they can imagine to be able to basically switch places uh, and, and it's a nightmare because you know Sophie starts everything she does to, to keep pretty is just not working and every time she tries she becomes uglier and uglier whilst poor Agatha is, has to go through makeovers and uh, that don't work because she's just not pretty enough to be a princess and, and ridicule because everyone thinks she's not supposed to be there everyone can see she can't possibly be a princess uh, the princess who also studied in the school don't want to have anything to do especially the most popular prince who of course Sophie falls in love with um, and, and he believes her you know he can see she's beautiful and, and obviously she's meant to be a princess and so there's, there's a whole load of, 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 of you know heartbreaking um, situations where poor Sophie tries her best to get back where she belongs and is thwarted at every turn uh, everyone laughs at her when she tries to be prettier because you know where she is nobody cares all they care is you know that the, 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 she can do the spells and she's obviously failing in everything and, and you know every time she fails something horrible happens it's amazing it's just so much fun so is it written is it aimed at younger readers or is it it is it is I would say I mean I, I would like to say a young boy might enjoy it as well but I can see it, there's a having two main female characters and the themes it's a little bit aimed at young girls um but you know I, I I like to think that a young boy reading it as well would probably enjoy it as an adult I absolutely loved it is it as subversive as it sounds um it is and it's very cool because some of the things that you think are actually aren't and there's a lot of play with perspective and that there's a lot of play with um, people's perception of what's good and evil and what's right and wrong and, and what should be and shouldn't be um, and I, I think it's really well written it's got a wonderful twist um, sort of towards the end it starts unravelling in a way that you did quite not see coming and it makes it so much more fun there's mystery there's you know fairy tale romance there's talking animals there's there's, there's horrible horrible talking animals as well <laughs> because you know everyone knows a, a good princess has to talk to animals and animals will come to her rescue mm. if you're a princess 
I'm not saying anymore. I really don't want to give any spoilers. Um, it's, it's always awesome. It's always confused me that bit in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs where the animals come in and help her do the dishes and you're sitting there going, they're not hygienic. That's not going to work. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> the magical animals. Oh, I see. The oh, fairy tale animals. Oh, they're the, not just any old animals. The, the bluebirds are blue because they have swiffer on their, uh, their, their feathers. Is that how <laughs> they that works? They ate too many Smurfs. I mean... <laughs> Mm, no, but it is a really good book um, I'm pretty sure there's sequels to it I personally think as a standalone book work really well so if you just want to read the first one it's absolutely fine the, the internet um, tells me there's at least one follow up yes, volume but I, I am curious to see what the second one does with the characters I've got a half a feeling of what what where where it's going because the first book is very much how the girls get out of their village and go back and go to, sorry to the um, school of for good and evil. I'm pretty sure the second one is the girls going from the school back to their village, and 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 what that entails for the whole stories and fairy tales. Um, it's very very cool. So, if I was a fan of say Shrek and that sort of thing, oh yeah, inspired. yeah, you, you'll enjoy that. You'll enjoy that very much. Um, as I said, it's it's I think more sort of aimed at a younger audience. However, there's no reason why an adult going into it um, looking for a, a fun fairy tale twist won't enjoy it. So, who's it by and who's it on? Uh, it's The School for Good and Evil. Uh, it's by Soman Chinani. And um, it's a HarperCollins publication. So, um, coming up next, some messages, and then we're just going to talk nonsense about books. Again. <laughs> is Fab Radio International. The Dirt. Only on Fab Radio International. The Gay Agenda on Fab Radio International. All the offbeat chat and debate you'd expect from militant liberal gay warriors set on converting you to the homosexual regime. A retired U.S. doctor, John Schmidt, who professes to be able to cure homosexuality, has blamed popular music and pop culture on affecting people. Oh, that's Hom- right. Is this the guy that said Adele? Adele. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I thought this was just amazing. Adele, don't listen to Adele because you'll turn you gay. The Gay Agenda broadcasts live every Thursday evening from 9 p.m. till 11 p.m. on FabRadioInternational.com. Embrace the alternative with Fab Radio. You can you can find more about our sister shows on FabRadioInternational.com by going on to FabRadioInternational.com you can find out more about our sister sister shows on Starburst Magazine and the Starburst Magazine family of podcasts on StarburstMagazine.com um, we are a very different show to several of the other shows in the Starburst Magazine family um, but have fun with that so uh, the entire premise of the show is that we talk nonsense about books so right now, this is the part where we talk nonsense about books. Yes. Should actually do that. So yeah, should actually do that. We're talking. Uh, we've had Neil down on the show, and we've. It's been an interesting show because we've had a, a, a nice mix of stuff. Because we've had a, an action adventure novel with Heirs of the Demon King. We yes. have 
essentially a deconstruction of the fairy tale myth. Yes. Where, uh, good, good and evil. And then we have a guy whose entire approach was to tear apart part established of your models to create a new story. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit about really it's been about rebellion so far. Really. I love rebellion. We love rebellion. Like a good rebel. <laughs> um, we we like the underdogs. <laughs> yeah, I, I find I find the whole uh, William Espos and that kind of you know Robert Animals and that sort of approach to storytelling where they kind of kind of just surreally sort of te- tear apart and tear to shreds. Um, the, the structures of reading but the thing is it's not very friendly to most people mm. because we, we like our rules and we like our safe zones uh, and we kind of like our safe zones to be we, we like it when it's when you step outside the boundary but when you run screaming away from the boundary <laughs> to somewhere else into the into the deep dark woods people get a bit scared into uh, the deep dark woods into the deep dark woods um, I think I think most readers do have that I want a book that's that's safe and cosy, like a, a nice cup of tea on a Sunday morning. Um, I, I I like I like books that are adventurous, but you know it's very much down to my mood. You know there are days where I go, oh no, I can't I can't tackle anything bigger than you know than my my safe and comfortable. Um, I know exactly where this book is going and I'm still going to enjoy it because it's lovely and well written This is one of the things I, I enjoyed about Ares of the Demon King is because I'd just come off reading a whole load of other stuff mm. because I'm familiar with Sarah's work and because I'm familiar with that kind of style of story it was like having a kind of, you know a bacon sandwich and a cup of tea Yeah. and, and I think when I started reading it I had a bacon sandwich and a cup of tea <laughs> and it was just like kind of like mm. You're so cliche <laughs> and that kind of that it's the reason Terry Pratchett is so popular. It's two reasons. One, he's a really good writer. Yes. Two, his work. Once you've read the first three or four books, you're so used to his style of writing that it's a bit like a warm hug sometimes. It is. And and you kind of get used to it. And I, I know some people are very sniffy about like Stan Brown and Stephanie Meyer and all the rest of it. But because they have a regular rhythm and a style, mm. it becomes much easier to read that. And I can, I can see the appeal. On the other hand, I kind of like it when a book just sits there and completely explodes my expectations. See, I, I find that after I've read too many of the warm, cuddly books, and, and I'm saying that in terms of the style, not in terms of the content. Like, I went through a phase where, you know, I read Twilight and then I had a bit of a, let's find out more about these young adult books that are coming out you know because of twilight and there were some really good ones and some oh my god i've I've read this before 20 times now i can't do it um and after i read a couple of of i'm 20 pages in i know exactly where this is going i just got bored so i needed something to sort of revolution my thinking i find the angry robot series of sci-fi because i'm a sci-fi fan i Mm. find their books, as a general rule, tend to go for things that I'm not expecting. So VN is based on a whole load of ideas that I'm not expecting. Mm. But the writing style is familiar, and I'm, you know, Madeleine Ashby I can just get on with. Whereas Remy's Nam, his writing style is, is kind of in your face. And I love that because it's very challenging. Um, and his world, is, you know, his world is based on possible technologies, and the ideas are based on possible technologies. So it's a new, you know, it's, it's new technology to mm. me. It's new ideas to me. And at the same time, 
it, it, it's a style that I'm not 100% comfortable with, so I enjoy it more because it, you know, once, it's, it's a change once, of pace, and sometimes you need that. Once you strap in. That said, the, the fractal print, and I can't pronounce the author's name, and I'm very sorry, but um, the, the fractal print is, uh, is an oven all that is full of these wonderful sci-fi ideas but the writing style just doesn't do it for me mm. it's just too it's not that it's surreal it's just it's too far out there it's a combination of weird ideas weird writing style and then you kind just of, struggle to, to sort of find a, a wavelength it, to find a wavelength I think it's because I don't take my time when I'm trying to read stuff like that if I yeah. take my time I tend to enjoy it more but it's, it's like a good meal as well you, you digest it more <laughs> mm, food mm. It's getting to that time of yeah, day. It's getting to that time of day. We might, we might have some no, I know what here. you mean. I mean, I, I've been reading... Um, um, in fact, I, I will review it at some point. Uh, Memory of Water, um, which is a book we got for review at the at the radio. And I'm, I'm loving it, but it's very slow, very poetic, very um, paced style and last night I couldn't read it because a some of the themes that you know that it treats it, it hits a bit close to some fears and and I just I just grabbed a Buffy graphic novel Buffy the Vampire Slayer the third volume and when I need I need a break with some indifferent I tell you I tell you a book that I recently read and enjoyed and we need to talk we need to review at some point mm. and it's writing stars Dan Abnett so Dan Abnett Totally familiar with, totally yeah. used to, um, and it's Fifedom. I really enjoyed Fifedom. It's great again. It's a bad one. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but the way the characters speak, they speak in this kind of pigeon English. Yeah. And when it was when it was coming out, the um, one of the David Thomas Moore, one of the chaps who, one of the editor chaps who's responsible for producing the book, he was talking about. He was like, I love this language. And it was like, tell me, tell me, it's written in first per- person perspective, and it's not. But that would be amazing if it was a if it was a, that kind of pigeon language all the way through and that kind of weird. Have you ever read uh, Ian Banks's Fearsome Engine? I haven't. No. Fearsome Engine is a straightforward sci-fi novel that is well, it's Ian Banks. It's not that straightforward. Straightforward science, science fiction novel, um, which has nothing to do with the culture. But every three or four chapters, it's written in a phonetic way. Oh Jesus! Okay. It's 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 amazing, and it completely challenges your understanding of what's going on in the story, and completely changes your pace of reading. So by the time you get to the next actual, you know, normally written part, you're just like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, and you're kind of still recovering. We're gonna have to run away. We have. Um. So yeah. So get in touch with us via the internet. Please. Um. And uh, we'll we'll say goodbye shortly. Across the world, 24 hours a day, this is Fat Radio International. So, I'm, we're going to have to run away. Then. We, we have to. It always flies away, how time flies when you're having fun. So what are you reading this week? Um, I'm finishing Memory of Water, 
hopefully um, and then god knows I've got loads of books that I've, I've had um, through for review and some that I still have from Christmas because I got <coughs> loads of books for Christmas um, so I'll just have to see what my TBR pile says I'm going to have to sit and have a relaxed think about what I'm going to do next I think book wise pile of comic books today um, very exciting I also have to read Saga I have to read Saga I have to it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's my job and everything I have to read Brian Cave on Saga oh, you should review that however will you cope however will I cope so um, happy Sunday folks have a lovely day and obviously you can get in touch with us via social media on Tumblr Twitter Facebook Radio Bookworm you know the score by now and if you're listening to us on iTunes Please subscribe and, and also rate us. Yes, please. Yay. It's goodbye for me, Nymphe Hayes. And it's goodbye for me, Ed Fortune. The Bookworm, supported by Starburst Magazine, is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International. Presented by Ed Fortune and Nymphe Hayes. Produced by A.L. Johnson. <laughs>